It's Sierra, new ambassador for WW, Weight Watchers Reimagined. The new MyWW Plus, our most holistic program ever, helps you tackle the many elements that contribute to weight loss with tools to plan meals and get you moving. Join today with a limited time offer at WW.com. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Pitch the Podium. At last, it's the 70th anniversary Grand Prix. 70 years since Formula 1 actually began. And what a way to honor the sport by having this race at the place where it all started, Silverstone. We saw some dramatic racing the last time out. And to discuss what could happen in this week's 70th anniversary Grand Prix, I've got our in-house Formula 1 virtuoso, Kunal Chia, with us. Kunal, firstly, what a weekend it's been so far. And what a great amount of content that we're coming up with Pitch the Podium as well. Absolutely. I've, you know, I've been getting some really good reviews about our working in F1 series. And especially your interview with Alex Lynn Sommel. So keep it up. And guys, you're welcome to come and uh, check out the playlist uh, wherever you're listening to us or hearing to us or seeing us. Because we're pretty much uh, there in every format. Absolutely. There's a lot coming up on Pitch the Podium after this as well. But... Let's get down to Formula 1. This is where all the drama will be. And after what happened last week, all the tyres bursting out on the final lap, all the blisters, there is some news coming up that the reason for that may be a curb on the exit of Beckett's that was changed. But Kunal, the interesting part is the tyres for this weekend are apparently softer. I'm actually if that was a solution. Yeah, I, I mean... <laughs> You know, I'm actually looking forward to, you know, the tyres being softer this weekend. I think uh, that's fairly aggressive uh, stance from Pirelli. You know, they're not making a change to their offering, uh, despite, you know, their hardest tyre taking a beating last weekend. And also, it'll open up a lot of strategy options. You mentioned the curb being extended. I'm sure Pirelli will also have, uh, you know, they'll raise their... uh, minimum, uh, you know, tire pressure limits as well to sort of help with the durability of the tires. So in all, we're going to have an exciting weekend again, because not just the strategy, people will still be, you know, uh, watching the race to see if in case, you know, tire failures sort of affect the race result one more, one more weekend. Absolutely. And the psychological element of this is going to be very interesting as well, because after all that's happened last week, Teams will be much more conservative. You could end up seeing a race like 2012 all over again with multiple pit stops and drivers going to make two or even three stops in certain cases to maximize their pace. I would bet on Red Bull Racing, you know, trying a three-stopper just to sort of get uh, get to at least one of the Mercedes-Benz uh, cars. And, you know, the truth about the whole Red Bull uh, issue is that uh, you know, with Max Verstappen up ahead, uh, you know, fighting with the Mercedes cars and Albin sort of not being there yet, they sort of lack a strategic, uh, yeah. you know, in the, in, if, if I could use the term of chess, you know, they, 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 they lack sort of the strategic uh, benefit that they could have by having two cars racing up front with the Mercedes cars. So it'll be interesting to see what, Merce- uh, you know, Red Bull is able to do with, with uh, softer tyre compounds. Absolutely. And it's, it's not even like a game of warfare where you can actually bluff and hide your way through. It's Formula 1. Everything is open and clear to see. And Alex Salvon's space deficit is open for the entire world to see. As sad as it may be, hopefully we can see the young British come Thai driver come back on track. But what, what do we speak about first, Kunal? Do we go for the pink Mercedes 
Or do we go for the actual black and silver ones first? We should do the pink Mercedes and how, sure. uh, you know, they, the, the results of the protest could come, say, within 24 hours of this video, because that's the one result everyone's been waiting for. Renault particularly, and not just Renault, but even Ferrari have now joined the list yeah. of teams that actually wants to know, hey, what do we do with this design philosophy? It's, it's a bit strange, isn't it? When you consider Ferrari, do you expect them to be the whole gods of Formula One, designing the ultimate cars, painted in blood red with your heroes driving on them? Now they're just protesting against well, a measly team of racing point who are spending half the budget as they are. It's a big fall from grace, I know. But about racing point, it's good that you mentioned about the protest canal because this has been going on for as long as I can remember. In case you haven't caught up with this, where were you living? Under a rock? <laughs> so, uh, Renault have been consistently protesting against Racing Point. These two have a long history of doing that to each other. Just take a look back at Suzuka 2019. And Renault have done three, or at least maybe even four protests so far, trying to question the legality of firstly the entire car's philosophy, then the brakes, then the design philosophy again. It's all queuing up one after the other. And yet again, Renault have been back with the protest, but this time Mercedes were also involved in the hearing. Went for about two and a half hours, Mercedes went back at one hour itself, but there must have been something very serious going on that will come out, of course, to us in the next, what, couple of days, so to say. But Kunal, one big question that I have in mind, what if they lose? Because so far, we, we're, all, we're all getting the feeling that, okay, Racing Point are on the right side, they've got their car checked by the FIA. They've exploited that one tiny loophole available in the rules. But there is a possibility that they can get the decision overturned against them as well. So, it's a very interesting question because, you know, what if they lose? Do they have to design the whole car by themselves again? Do they have to design just the one brake duct? Can they still race with the tra tracing point, rake, uh, you know, brake duct, if we may call it that way? And Otmar Schofnauer, you know, my, my former boss at Force India, he actually explained it very well. He said, you know, this is our design. And of course, you know, now they've even uh, revealed that they actually bought the 2019 brake ducts from Mercedes, uh, you know, before they were listed as parts that you had to sort of make by yourself. Okay, so it's, mm. it's a sort of a gray area, this, this piece. But, you know, he turned around and said that if we have to design the brake duct by ourselves, we would. Okay, but who's to say that the design won't look the same as it currently does, because that's the philosophy that we followed. And, you know, that's what we believe is the best approach for our car. And then he, of course, went on to say that it could even be a better design if we find some more gains in the wind tunnel. So, you know, it's a cat and mouse game. It'll be interesting <laughs> to see, you know, why and what the FI think of this. And, you know, one of the primary reasons, uh, you know, why Renault is protesting F1 team alliances. And, you know, we've actually written about this on uh, our website, pits2podium.com. Uh, is that, you know, from 2021, Renault is going to be the only standalone team in the paddock or the only standalone manufacturer. You know, Honda has um, uh, customer teams, Ferrari and Mercedes, as we know, have customer teams as well. And Renault realized that maybe with the whole sliding scale aero regulations that are going to come into play, you know, who's to say that Mercedes will not use uh, racing points uh, you know, uh, available uh, wind tunnel time, CFD time to develop their own W12 car, you know, next season. 
So the the point is, Renault suddenly feel that you know by not having a customer, they could just be even more disadvantaged. You know, firstly, not having you know a competitive benchmark, and second, not even having uh, you know somebody else's wind tunnel and CFD time and and so on. Right. So that's one of the reasons why Renault is trying to get some bit of clarity on these whole F1 team alliances uh, that that you know we are seeing in the sport. Gamesmanship. I absolutely love it. I, I would love to see how this plays out towards the end. But on the micro level, Kunal, it's all about the races. It's all about the results that you can garner on the track. Renault were good. Renault were very good last week. They got fourth and sixth with uh, Ricciardo and Ocon, respectively. Are they going to be legitimate challengers to Racing Point? And are McLaren going to be in the mix? Because from what we saw last week, there was, I think, a faulty bolt that caused Hulkenberg's engine to fail in the first place. Lance Stroll was off the pace as well. What can they do from now? Because Sergio Perez, from the looks of things, is going to be benched, not benched exactly, but quarantined for this one too. So they've got Hulkenberg and Stroll. McLaren, by far and away, seem to have the better driver pairing. But is the car better? Who's, who's going to come out on top in this whole midfield, holy trinity that we're getting to see? And plus Ferrari as well in this now. You know, the midfield is so exciting. And I, what I suspect is going to happen is... Uh, we will see the form factor in the midfield change for the second race in Silverstone. Teams would have, you know, had more data and they would have learned more. And something very interesting, which, uh, you know, Mark Hughes has reported, is that Silverstone has actually gone away from being a high-speed downforce circuit, right? And he pointed this out by explaining the difference in setups between a Charles Leclerc's uh, Ferrari and a Sebastian Vettel's Ferrari. And as we all know, Charles actually ran a very low downforce setup you know, for, for the first race in Silverstone. And, you know, Sebastian chose to go with the very high downforce setup and we saw the difference in their performances. And the same thing was actually uh, also found with the racing point cars that they ran extremely high wing than most of their competitors, right? So it could be that the car, uh, you know, characteristics uh, require such a setup. But, uh, you know, I'm interested to see if teams actually, you know, you know, reduce their wings and sort of lower their downforce and see, where, you know, how different can their cars go in the second race at Silverstone. So, I'm, I'm pretty excited uh, how, uh, you know, the whole midfield battle is going to just evolve, uh, you know, over a matter of five days. Absolutely. They're going at such a high speed right now that even the corners sometimes feel like straight. So, that sort of downforce can be a bit of a laggy factor for them. The good thing is, Kunal, it's a bit like a test match. Uh, if you don't get it right in the first chance, you have another race at the very same circuit just a week later on. So maybe you can tinker around, find those things that you have to work on and get that thing better. So that's, that's a big advantage for the likes of Racing Point and Ferrari. But now let's get to Mercedes. Now let's get back to the very top because those guys, we've said it time and again, winning on three wheels, just ask them how to do that. But what, what's in store for them this week? Because we saw the blowouts. Now, apparently, the psychology would say, okay, you know, maybe we can go a bit more conservative. Is that going to allow the likes of Red Bull to just go all out, trying to, try to see what happens? Just go for it. I mean, nothing venture, nothing in. If it pays off, you could get a win. If it doesn't, well, we're in the same place as we are already. Do you think something like that will come into picture this weekend? No, I frankly don't think so. I'm sure Mercedes are already thinking of can we win all the races and create another record? You know, can we wrap up the titles as early as we can? And let's also remember, you know, they, they can't afford to be complacent uh, because despite having such a dominant car this season, they've had just one one to finish in four 
four races. Okay. And then the second sure. thing is, you know, however complacent they may or may not be, their drivers are absolutely locked in a battle for the drivers' championship as well. So, you know, there's still a lot to play for. And I'm pretty sure Mercedes are just also, you know, in a, on a funny note, wondering how much more can we embarrass our <laughs> rivals, you know, in 2020. So I'm excited to see what the gap between Mercedes and the rest of the teams would be. And, you know, I, I was, uh, I was of course, uh, again, on a funny note, waiting to see if Ferrari get lapped in the first race at Silverstone. And, you know, that, of course, didn't happen because of safety car periods and the likes. But could that even be a possibility for the second race? Who knows? That'll be symbolic. That'll be just symbolic of everything that has happened since 2014. Mercedes on the rise, embarrassing everyone else, just going on a spree of killing people. And what I really love about Mercedes is, as you mentioned, complacency. It's been, what, six, seven odd seasons that Mercedes has been at the very top. They haven't slacked off. Every year, they just come up with something even better. Now, if, if the word is to be believed, apparently their qualifying lap time was, what, seven tenths of a second faster. I know, weather can come into picture. Setups can come into picture. But even, let's say, if that contributes to around three or four tenths of a second, making a car like last year's Mercedes even three or four tenths faster, that's an incredible ask. I want to know what happens in the management structure back at Mercedes. Must be a very fascinating thing to see. But and this actually brings us on very well onto Ferrari because you mentioned about them getting lapped. That'll be the ultimate, ultimate sort of disrespect for all their fans because it just shows everything that has been going wrong with the team. You mentioned about the setups. You mentioned about the difference between Leclerc and Vettel. What do you think they can extract? Because although from the looks of things, they are, what, the fifth or sixth fastest team, we ought to speak about them because Ferrari, of course. You know, I'm just going to add, imagine Ferrari getting lapped at Formula One's 70th anniversary oh, Grand Prix. Goodness. And then, of course, uh, you know, their, their thousandth race start at Mugello, uh, you know, is, of course, uh, uh, a few weekends away. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm sure Ferrari will try and see how they can extract more with their low downforce setup. Because it helped Charles sort of qualify, uh, you know, up ahead. He had, he had uh, you know, the fastest, uh, you know, he was the fastest in the speed trap uh, down the main straight. So, he wasn't, you know, particularly overtaken by, uh, you know, a lot of other drivers as well. So, you know, they will probably go with the same approach which, uh, with Charles. But the interesting thing to see would be is, is uh, you know, Sebastian uh, able to adapt and use a similar setup and see what he's able to extract from the package. Exactly. It's been a torrid season for Sebastian Vettel so far. Rumours from the first week was that he sat in Safna's Ferrari. You, you, see, you see the link, don't you? It, it could be very possible that Vettel goes to Racing Point. Who leads the team? That's a matter for another day. Looks like Sergio Perez so far, but uh, this actually brings us very well onto the fact of reserve drivers because speaking of Racing Point, they've got Nico Hulkenberg drafted in. Last chance for him, <laughs> in a way, to kind of prove that he can get a seat perhaps at, say, Alfa Romeo if neither of the drivers are performing or even Haas because Crochon doesn't really seem to be in the mood of staying in F1 for longer considering how he's been speaking in his last couple of interviews. So, what do you think is in store for Hulkenberg and how do you think he can perform? Because last week, Q2 exit for him. Yeah, I mean, Q2 exit is fine. You know, I mean, qualifying is always tougher to come back to, to nail that one pay, one lap that you need. He wasn't as far away from Lance Stroll. But again, you know, I don't know how many people would consider Lance Stroll as 
uh, a very serious benchmark, uh, you know, in the paddock. But could Nico Hulkenberg end up being the one driver who drives for multiple teams in 2020? That's another question that, you know, could be answered this season as well. We know Paul Duresta is going to be the reserve driver for uh, for McLaren. But, you know, with uh, Nico being the most recent uh, reserve driver to have driven in a race, uh, you know, could he end up racing elsewhere as well? Of course, we're not wishing that any driver ends up uh, missing a race because of COVID-19 reasons. But, you know, it's interesting how teams are finally, you know, uh, taking the, the, the whole reserve driver issue far more seriously. You know, we've seen Toto Wolf talk about it and how Esteban Gutierrez doesn't make the cut because of super license reasons and Vendun isn't there and, and so on. And now, you know, Wolf is, you know, out looking for, um, you know, a reserve driver for Mercedes and so on. So, uh, finally, it's, it's something that, uh, you know, teams are taking seriously. We took it really seriously three months ago when we spoke about how yeah. it's going to be so important uh, to be a reserve driver and so different to be a reserve driver in 2020. Absolutely. Lots of things happening regarding them. And this just makes me feel that, okay, you know, this could be a good chance for younger drivers, say someone like Formula 2. Maybe there could be something in the regulations fixed that it could allow younger drivers to have greater chances as a reserve driver. And that's a topic for later on. That's something we can speak about later. But Kunal, just before we wrap this up, what are your final predictions for the 70th anniversary GP? I'm not talking about the top. We know who's going to be right there. But from P2 and lower on, how do you think that's going to play out towards the end? You know, I think I, I, will, I will bank a little more on Red Bull's strategy. Okay. Uh, I have a feeling they'll be closer to P2 if not at P2. Of course, it will need yet another uh, you know, issue with the Mercedes cars or their tyres or something for them to literally get it very convincingly. But I think it'll be Red Bull followed by McLaren maybe. Then then you could put uh, uh, Charles out there and then a, a Renault, I would say. So that's, that's pretty much my, uh, you know... Uh, prediction, but I'm just going to talk about uh, one last thing before I ask you your prediction, Samuel. Absolutely. You know, everyone went gaga over you know Sebastian getting into Otmar's Ferrari after the first race and you know zipping off. I would have been more gaga if you know Sebastian got into Otmar's Aston Martin and went away because that's what ah, we are actually waiting to that's see. That's a good point. That's <laughs> a good point. But who knows? Maybe it's just a sign of Otmar saying, you know, perhaps Ferrari are better on the road car division. And that, that's something we must not debate right now. It'll be just a proper road car bonkers match that'll gonna, that's going to happen. Ferrari versus Aston Martin. Big debate on the Grand Touring scale. But yeah, Vettel in Otmar's Ferrari. Who knows, maybe next year it could be Vettel in Otmar's Aston Martin. Or who knows, maybe his own Aston Martin next year. That, yeah. That's something we should have a look at later on. But, but your, your lots, predictions before we wrap up this episode. Ah, that's the one thing that I usually refrain from because it's going to be so unpredictable from the midfield. But I, I, just like you, I have my hopes banked up on McLaren. I see them trying to get the maximum out of their races. That is something that they've done better than the others. Case in point, racing point. They've got the pace, but they're not really able to extract that much in terms of the points. So, I'm going to be banking on McLaren. Let's see how Nico Hulkenberg does. No predictions for him, but Renault are going to be close up. In the lower midfield, considering how good Pierre Gasly has been, expect him just to nudge on the, on the door of the top 10 finishers. That should be interesting. And, as always, watch out for the tyres. Because who knows, with softer compounds, we might just be seeing even more blowouts. Or if not that, Teams being way too conservative 
and going for two or three stops. Absolutely. But before we wrap up, this born in 1950 is definitely not my birth year in case you or anyone <laughs> viewing, you know, was, was assuming. Exactly. It's interesting to think Formula One, it's such an old sport. It's been around for what? More than we can even imagine. Fantastic to see it celebrating its 70th anniversary at the place where it all began, isn't it? Absolutely. I'm, I'm, I'm eager to see what, uh, you know, new content Formula One will throw up as well because they have a fantastic content bank and I'm pretty sure yeah. we'll be, uh, you know, we'll get to see it all on their social media handles and maybe even in the World Feed broadcast. Exactly. That's going to be so much fun to watch out for. But folks, if you enjoyed watching this video, please feel free to leave a like. And if you haven't subscribed already, why? What's the reason? Tell us why. And don't forget to subscribe to the channel as well. Share this video with your fellow Formula One fans. And maybe we can all form a good Formula One community where we can speak about the sport, have a few good discussions and see where that takes us. In the end, folks, thank you so much for watching. Kunal, as always, a pleasure to speak to you about Formula One, speak with you about Formula One as well. Likewise, Samuel. Thanks very much. And we'll see you guys at a video, you know, in the next few days. Absolutely. See you. Bye-bye. Progressive presents an interview with your upstairs neighbor. Hi, I'm Tia. The upstairs-downstairs neighbor dynamic is so special. We have our own language. Like when I scream at my mom on the phone, the people downstairs bang on the ceiling to show their support. The nighttime's the best time to rearrange furniture. I call it midnight feng shui. And if I sleep through my alarm in the morning, they bang on my door to wake me. So thoughtful. Progressive can't save you from your upstairs neighbor, but we can save you money when you bundle renters and auto insurance with us. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Bundle discount not available in all states or situations.